I was trying to seek out as much shade as possible, find any possible shade. But like, you need to be careful because when you go into the parks at Disney and if you're a dopey runner, like you can easily lose track of time real quick because there's so much there. And you want to like walk over to this area, walk over and you can spend like way too many hours on your feet in the heat um, before your marathon. And I, I, I would say I spent more time on my feet than I would have liked to on that day. And I was feeling a lot hotter than I would have liked to as well. So I was trying to like, you know, conserve as much energy, walk as slow as possible, drink as much water as possible. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Before we get into this episode, if you are looking for a nutritional advantage to increase mental focus, strength, and endurance during those runs and decrease the recovery time between those hard effort sessions, you will want to check out Perform from the Amino Company. Later on in this episode, I will tell you more about Perform and how it can help you stay focused, get harder workouts in, and improve overall recovery on your journey of becoming a stronger, faster, lifelong injury-free runner, or you can check out the research for yourself at aminoco.com slash healthy runner. I came, I saw, and I conquered the dopey challenge in Disney. I am still in shock of what an amazingly magical experience this was. And if you would have told me that I would run 48.6 miles in four days and run a half marathon the day before a marathon. And in that marathon, I would run a sub 345 minute marathon. Coming within four minutes of my marathon PR, I would have told you you were crazy, or in this case, dopey. And I am grateful for this marathon journey I have been on in the past two years. And it is unbelievable how training cycles build upon one another 
like compound interest. And I have so many lessons to share with you so you can make your next marathon or dopey challenge a fun, strong, and rewarding experience like I did. And this is why I'm sharing my story with you. In this episode, I share my deep dive reflection of how I was able to have fun, feel strong, and run a fast marathon, letting my fitness and durability show all while stopping for some character stops, waking up at 2 a.m. for four days in a row, and having to deal with some unexpected weather and bus challenges. Amazingly, the Disney Marathon was the second fastest marathon, four minutes off my PR, and I finished 80th out of 917 runners in my age group, and that was without planning to race it. After some wonky sleep, running the three days prior, nothing like a traditional taper, and not to mention the travel and time on feet at the parks and the expo that I had. I hope by me sharing my marathon and running journey with you that you will be able to learn something and apply it to your running journey. And if this is our first introduction, first off, welcome. I am Dr. Dwayne Scotty. I'm a running physical therapist, coach, educator, and founder of Spark Healthy Runner. And my mission is to preserve the health and longevity of runners everywhere by allowing them to get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. And for context of our Spark Healthy Runner framework on how we grow in our running journey, I will be filling your race day bucket today. And remember, there are six key steps of your running journey that need to be optimized in order to run strong, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. And those are mindset, strength training, structured run plan, nutrition, recovery, and race strategy. So whether you are a seasoned marathoner or looking to do your first Run Disney Dopey Challenge, I know there is something that you will be able to apply from my experience. By the way, how are you liking my dopey bling? Um, let me know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, Run Disney does have some phenomenal medals. So matter of fact, I'm going to give you a little, little preview of what these medals look like, because this is definitely the first time that I've ever gotten six medals um, in four days. So if you want to check out the 5K medal, so this is um, this is the dog here. This is Pluto. So this is the Pluto medal. All of these medals kind of move around. So he kind of goes up and down. Um, so I'm going to try to describe this best for those listening to the audio version. It's a 5K medal. It's got Pluto on it. He's jumping up and down basically on the medal. 10K day. So this is your Chippendale race. So you got Chippendale on it. They also go up and down. They kind of give each other a little high five there. Um, so a little cute medal there. And then we got our half marathon medal. This is Daisy and Donald's race. So Daisy and Donald is probably my favorite one, actually, uh, where they kind of run around in circles, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, so that's the 13.1 half marathon medal. And then you got the uh, 26.2, the Mickey and Minnie race. And they also kind of come up and down. Uh, they don't go all around, though. So the Donald and Daisy one, I'm not going to lie, I think is a little better than the marathon medal. But here is the marathon medal. And when you complete, the half marathon and the marathon, that is what they call the goofy challenge. So that's actually 39.3 miles. So for those that are doing dopey, you get the goofy medal as well, the goofy finisher shirt. Um, so this is the goofy medal. So that's my, that's my dog right there, goofy. I love goofy. 
It's probably my favorite character out of all of them. And then here is the Mecca. This is the dopey metal. Uh, so this is like legit metal. The cool thing about this, and you can't see it now because I got the lights on, but these two gems right here light up. So I definitely was enjoying having this. The power's on right now. Um, they all come with a little run Disney on the back. These are like heavy metals. So um, they are legit metals. Uh, so they go all out with the metals. Yeah, this one's a beauty. I was wearing this guy around the park. Uh, the next day at Jelly Rolls with my wife in the dark, it lights up. Uh, so it's pretty darn cool. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the metals are all out cool. And the geeky physical therapist in me is wondering how long I can wear these six metals on my neck before I herniate a disc in my uh, cervical spine here. Uh, so one quick coaching announcement and save the date for all of you. Our signature half marathon group training enrollment opens very soon on Wednesday, January 17th. 2024. Training starts the end of January, January 29th for an April 20th, 21st race, but we can accommodate two weeks before or two weeks after. This is a fully virtual program. This is our kind of tried, true, and tested signature program we've been doing since the beginning of COVID. Um, so registration live January 17th. It closes down January 24th. So you have one week to get in we only do this open enrollment for two weeks out of the whole year. January 17th is the date for your spring half marathon training. And July 17th is the date for you to enroll for our fall half marathon training. So save those dates, especially if you're looking at doing Disney's wine and dine half marathon weekend. This would be the perfect program for you. And since today, at the time of this recording, it is a Walt winning Wednesday. Before I share with you my personal post dopey reflection, I need to highlight these incredible athletes in our Spark Healthy Runner coaching program who did some amazing things down in Orlando this past weekend. And honestly, the highlight for me as a coach is witnessing their successes they give me more spark than they know and you know in seeing what they overcome and it was just so great getting to see so many of them in person many for the first time ever either at the expo in the corrals before the race or in the parks after the races and i am so proud of their accomplishments and would like to congratulate uh congratulate first off dipti who just completed another dopey challenge and she didn't need to worry about shin splints. Uh, she enjoyed every moment of taking in multiple character photos, riding Everest in Animal Kingdom, drinking some adult beverages in France and Mexico um, in Epcot to finish off their marathon, which I'm super impressed about because I don't think I would be able to do that, um, even though all those beverages are great. And we did that the week prior while we were vacationing in Disney. And I've had the pleasure of coaching Dipti uh, to injury-free running and building her back up to conquering the marathon again. And I can't wait to see her crush her flying pig training this spring with the guidance of Coach Whitney. And then Stephanie, who just completed the Dovey Challenge as her second marathon, utilizing a return-to-run, run-walk strategy due to a recent injury. So she is only in the second month of our program in working with me as this was like, you know, usually we don't. Um, however, depending upon the circumstances, um, I am very selective in who I work with a month or two prior to the goal race. Um, 
So she kind of reached out and was struggling with um, some IT band issues and she wasn't able to run three miles without pain. And within literally six weeks of us working together, um, she was able to complete the dopey challenge, believe it or not. So I am just like super excited for her. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what her running journey brings her now that she is learning to strength train for running and learning the principles of how we actually outline a run plan. Um, so I'm excited to continue working with her. And then there's Becca who just completed another injury-free marathon in Disney. She was a runner that um, I had the pleasure of overcoming some IT band issues um, with her last year after she ran New York City Marathon. And uh, she's run many marathons, but really, didn't know how to, again, strength train for running and, you know, kind of build up the right way. So since then, Coach Lou has taken the reins once um, she became pain-free and has guided her to a marathon PR in Berlin this past fall. And she had another strong showing in Disney of an injury-free marathon. It was actually her second fastest marathon. Um, so I am just super excited for her. It was so great to actually meet her and her husband um, after the marathon, even though we were freezing um, and they didn't have any Mylar blankets on the marathon day, which was like the day when you really needed it. You didn't need it after the 5K. Um, but unfortunately, with some poor planning, uh, they ran out of Mylar blankets on the marathon day. But it was super awesome to meet Becca. She lives down in the Tampa area and you know we've known her for two years. And it was just great being able to actually meet her in person. And then Sonia just completed her very first marathon in the most magical place. Uh, she's been getting guidance from Coach Latoya on our team. And, you know, they've just been doing some exceptional work together. So I was super proud of her. I actually got to see her just before I went off for the marathon, uh, which really, like, energized me. Um, and I was just so, so happy um, that she got to experience everything that Disney has to offer. Um, and then Margie, uh, she PR'd another Disney marathon. She's like on a PR fest. Um, she actually finished second in her age group and credits a lot of it to getting stronger and learning strength training for running as she was recovering from upper hamstring pain this past fall and summer with our Spark Healthy Runner program in overcoming that proximal hamstring tendinopathy. I had the pleasure of working with her. Um, so it was great to actually meet up with her and her husband um, in Magic Kingdom the day after the marathon. Um, and yeah, super, super impressed at seeing what she's doing with her running and challenging herself um, in her, you know, as she advances in her adult running journey. Um, so she has a lot more PRs and faster marathons ahead of her. And then uh, the mother-daughter duo combo. I need to give a shout out to Janice and Kate. Um, both ran the half marathon pain-free. Um, I had the pleasure of working with both of them, actually. Janice on getting over some proximal hamstring tendon pain um, and a partial tear she had. And then Kate with shin splints um, as kind of a newer runner, younger runner um, in her young 20s. And um, then Coach Lou had taken the reins after we got her pain free and she got faster to run Disney Wine and Dine half uh, last fall. So super proud of the both of them. And it was just so great to catch up with them in Mexico in Epcot after the half marathon day. Uh, so that was great to finally meet Janice in person because I worked with her for eight months virtually. So it was just great to like meet up in person. And yeah, there 
I love to meet up with anyone listening to the podcast, anyone, you know, follow along the YouTube channel or the clients in our program at some of these uh, races. Uh, so I look forward to hopefully connecting with many of you um, in the future at any destination races that I have. So let's get into kind of the first part of my recap. And for those that are not familiar with the Dopey Challenge, um, what you do here is you run a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon in four consecutive days for 48.6 miles in total. And for me personally, just so you can kind of put this in the context of, you know, if you're new to kind of my running journey. This was races 73, 74, 75, 76 for me in my 12-year adult onset running journey. And it was my 33rd half marathon and my fourth marathon. First marathon was 2017 and the experience was not very rewarding because I walked jog through painful cramps. The last six miles, I didn't know anything about proper marathon nutrition, hydration, electrolytes, or race strategy for that matter. My final time was a 415 marathon. My second marathon, five years later, was in 2022. I suffered from pre-race anxiety with terrible sleep for three days prior to the event. I suffered the worst GI cramps, bloating, needing to use the porta potty two times during the race, frustrated because I wasn't able to test the fitness that I did in training, um, but I was proud of pushing through mentally the struggles and finishing the whole 26.2 miles um, without cramps in the legs and miraculously still getting a personal best. Uh, my final time was a 4.03.39. You can get my deep dive reflection of that race in episode 146 on the Healthy Runner podcast. Third marathon was a breakthrough marathon for me this past fall in Cape Cod. And this was exactly 12 weeks prior to this dopey challenge in which I ran my first sub four hour marathon and was really able to feel like I actually raced a marathon. And I was finally a quote unquote marathoner, really showing like the fitness that I had been accumulating in training the past two years. So this ended um, with a 23 minute PR. My final time was at 340.38. You can get the full deep dive reflection of that race in episode 199 on the Healthy Runner podcast. So therefore, my primary goal leading up to the Run Disney Dopey Challenge was just to have fun, cover the distance, and come out healthy. Matter of fact, like the goal wasn't to PR at all. I just wanted to like come out healthy. So then I could start my 2024 running journey where I plan to actually do a structured 5K training cycle, a structured half marathon training cycle, and then my marathon training cycle leading up to the wine glass uh, marathon in October. Um, and matter of fact, my coach Steph and I didn't even come up with a specific outcome or time goals for this marathon and even a race strategy because I was running it for fun and to cover the 48.6 mile distance. And if you're wondering what my training consisted of, since I gained a ton of fitness in the fall with that Cape Cod marathon training, I just really leaned into the structure of training that my coach had put together for me. I recovered really well from Cape Cod marathon. And I really want to stress this because I think this is key for a lot of you runners, um, I did not run for 14 days after that marathon. That was the only time I didn't run all year, right? But I really respected the recovery process and I gradually built in a return to run program. 
So my weekly running miles after my marathon were zero miles, zero miles, 11 miles, 23 miles, 25 miles, 28, 32, 45, 35, 41, 50, 35, and then 55 miles on race week for the Dopey Challenge. So I, I give those examples to you guys because I see far too many runners run their marathon. The next week, they already got like 10 or 15 miles under them. The following week, they're almost back up to where they were in the middle of their training, which is crazy to me. Um, so you got to respect the recovery process, guys. Um, to learn more about post-marathon recovery, I did a full training on that, including five mistakes to avoid in episode 201 on the Healthy Runner podcast. So I really didn't do any quote unquote serious training um, for this dopey challenge until really one month out um, in which I finally got back up to 40 miles per week, which was kind of my baseline all last year was around that 40 mile per week mark. Um, I peaked three times in the Cape Cod marathon training at 50 miles per week. So I hit that three times. I hit you know, this one time during this dopey challenge. So again, just to provide some context here, guys. Um, and the big thing that was different in this training for this really month, I'll call it, um, was doing back-to-back -back long run days, which I had never done before. I've worked with many clients, um, who unfortunately, um, get injured doing back-to-back -back long run days in preparing for a marathon. Um, so I've never been a big fan of, I know it is kind of like the Hansen method, um, uh, does these back-to-back -back long runs. I've never been a fan of it personally until someone has multiple marathons under their belt and they've covered the distance before they know that their body can handle the mileage. So for novice marathoners, I don't really agree with that kind of plan. Um, but this was different. I wasn't just running a marathon. I was trying to run a half marathon one day and run a marathon the next day. So this required a different approach. And um, that was what my coach had built into my plan. And the goal was really just to simulate how I would feel with running the half and then the marathon during the dopey challenge. So there really wasn't any speed work or hard long runs with spice or pace work um, in it during the shortened training cycle leading up to dopey. I only did strides two days a week um, and touched on some easier threshold paced intervals. I didn't run at tempo or threshold pace longer than six minutes during any interval that my coach programmed for me. And I only did like 5k pace of one minute. So there was no faster interval type track training. Um, I wasn't in like the low six minute mile pace range. Um, I wasn't doing repeat 800s um, at a faster pace. There was no long tempo or threshold pace efforts of like two to four miles where I was doing that for like 25 to 30 minutes consistently, um, like I had done for my Cape Cod marathon training. And there was no long runs with anything faster than easy pace. So no long runs with spice. So this looked kind of completely different, honestly, than what I've done the last two marathon training cycles. Um, so just to give you some context on what the training looked like, so let's get into, um, kind of, um, the first day 
and this is the 5K day of the Dopey Challenge. Uh, this was a memorable day for my youngest daughter, my 14-year-old Gabby, and for our family because we all ran the race together for the first time ever. Um, so we woke up at 2.15, um, got on the bus from our resort to get to the race, to get there by 4 a.m., um, so we were there nice and early. We got into our corral early. Um, all the girls had corral C. Um, unfortunately, it's really weird. I don't know how they plan this out, but pretty much everyone who was running dopey for the 5K and 10K, they put them corral D or E, um, even though I submitted like a marathon time. And for the half marathon, a marathon, I was in corral B. Um, so it is just odd that they put everyone in D. I guess they plan that everyone is going to really take it easy for the 5k and the 10k so because i was in corral d they were all in c i couldn't just go in c with them they had to go in d with me so you can always go back a corral you can't go forward a corral if you're like running with other runners who are in different corrals just kind of nice to know um so the race starts at 5 a.m that's the first corral that goes off corral a group a and for us in d our race started exactly at 5.45 a.m. So 45 minutes after the race start. And uh, we were the Toy Story theme. Uh, so uh, my youngest daughter, uh, Gabby, was Woody. Uh, Olivia was Buzz. Uh, my wife was Bo Peep. And I was Zerg. Uh, so we all had a blast, honestly. Um, this was like the best costume spectating because people go all out on the 5K day because it's a shorter race. There are many people who walk it, especially the dopey runners um, are usually walking it or, you know, gently jogging it. And it was really fun, like running throughout Epcot, especially we vacationed the week before my family and we always do rope drop. So we are literally running right like to the first ride um so this was kind of nice to like run in epcot in the park um not get in trouble for it uh when they're always telling you to like no running no running um so it was fun and there were i'm just amazed honestly at how many like people wait on the character stops that are like 50 people deep like there were some long lines long lines and i'm like wow man these people are like waiting like literally an hour um so it was fun. Like day one of the four days for me was done. I still had 45 miles to go. It was like a, a great day. The family celebrated uh, with lunch at Enzo's Hideaway in Disney Springs. Very impressed with that place. We've eaten at a lot of places in Disney. Have not tried that one. So I highly recommend um, for those that are looking for a good place. And the nice thing about Disney is that you can always do especially before races, um, because I am, um, lactose intolerant. I definitely make sure like for races, I go non-dairy, you know, there are times when I have some dairy here and there, you know, in a normal week, but like a race week, you just want to make sure that you aren't eating anything like too crazy, right. That's going to upset your GI system. So the nice thing about Disney is like, you can always use the allergy friendly menus and they have everything and they're like serious about it. So it gives you a little better opportunity to like eat the foods you want to eat, um, not like only what the restaurant offers. So they kind of make some more, um, you know, they make some more uh, modifications, if you will, uh, to what you're eating. So it is like friendly for runners, I think, um, in to ensure that like you're not going to try anything crazy or new um, before your race and have to worry about your GI system being all out of whack. Um, so 
this was nice. We went for a nice early lunch. Disney Springs was like totally empty. Um, we had a nice photo shoot in the PhotoPass studio in Disney Springs um, in all of our yellow 5K finisher shirts, um, the four of us. And I highly recommend this studio if you're going to Disney and you get the memory maker package because we did spend Christmas week and New Year's there. We wanted to get our race photos. So we did take advantage and do the memory maker package. Um, so you get the pictures by the pros. So we took advantage, like whenever we saw photo pass people in the parks the week before we got pictures, this photo pass studio is kind of something new that we found out about. Um, but it's great. Like, and especially because we went when there was like not busy time for Disney Springs, no line, you had like two different studios, two different photographers, two different backgrounds. And then they do all this virtual stuff with the backgrounds. So it was like highly recommend. So nice little little quick tip there. Um, so if you want to see some of those like Disney photos of the fam after the 5K day, um, I'll put a bunch on the blog um, on this Disney uh, dopey recap. And you can also go to my Instagram page at Spark Healthy Runner. See many of the photos uh, for yourself to give you uh, kind of an image of what I'm describing to you. So the rest of that day, we just laid low as my wife, unfortunately did get sick, um, and wasn't feeling good. So we watched frozen two as a family back at our little log cabin at the Fort wilderness campground, um, which was great because we stayed at Port Orleans French quarter the week before, which great smaller resort at Disney. We never stayed there before. Um, not a ton of, walking so kind of good for race week um but we're all in one room right so we wanted to kind of be spaced out a little bit on the days the girls didn't have to wake up we didn't want to have to wake them up at 2 a.m being in one room so the little log cabins were nice because you had a separate kitchen full kitchen which is great especially for me like you know having all my pre pre-race like nutrition um in advance and making my like amino acids and all that stuff full kitchen is super great to have and then we had a living room so it was great i had my foam roller out i had my massage gun right i could like do my stretches do some mobility stuff um so i can feel ready so that was that was kind of our the end of our day. We just kind of watched a little family movie, um, went to bed nice and early that day. And when I say nice and early, when you got to get up at 2, you know, 30 a.m. the next day, um, it's all relative. So next day, 10K day. This was the first 10K race for my older daughter, Olivia. And she absolutely crushed it, uh, finishing strong. And she actually finished 11th out of 126 runners in her 17-year-old age group um, and just finished just shy of 60 minutes. So she finished with a 59.48 or a 9.38 pace. And this day we did wake up a bit later because we knew exactly where to go. And we didn't like, we knew the whole bus system, how all that works. We didn't need to stand around in the corral as long. And the weather was super cold this day. So I decided with a last minute morning of outfit change uh, to add some Lulu leggings under my shorts and a windbreaker under my tank top, um, which Luckily, my windbreaker just so happened to match the color of my Sully uh, tank top. And I did run with gloves on this day because it was 49, 50 degrees and it felt cold that morning. Um, so we were the uh, characters from Monsters, Inc. So my daughter was uh, Mike Wazowski and I was Sully and we had a blast and just like ran a smart and conservative strategy 
on a cold morning to finish strong with some negative splits. Um, so it was a super like proud dad moment for my girl because she was like so nervous to start. And this was her first 10 K we've done five K's before the last three Thanksgiving Turkey trots together. Um, we did a fun St. Patty's day, five K last year. And she told me before the race that she didn't want me to push her too much. So I told her that, you know, we were just going to go out easy like we did the previous day for the 5k and then see how she feels. And, you know, whatever she wants to run it at, like I'll run with her. Like I wasn't going to push her at all. And yeah, her splits were 10.05 first mile, 10.10, then 935, 9.31, 9.13, 8.41 and 7.40. So it was like a perfect like negative split when you look at like the graphs on Strava. Um, so the day before Olivia and Gabby actually at the end of the 5k, like really opened up their stride for the final sprint to the finish. So you like turn this corner in Epcot, all four races finish exactly the same way under the same exact finish line. You turn the corner and they like went for a final sprint to the finish. And my 44 year old body going at a nice, easy pace for me wasn't warmed up enough or mentally ready, honestly, to keep up with them. But because Olivia and I were in the back of our corral for the 10K, we were able to get in 10 minutes of jogging prior to the race and do our Spark Healthy Runner five minute dynamic warm up. And I mentally was ready for her to put on a little final kick. So if she had it in her, I was like, all right, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready to do this. Like I, I did a more thorough warm up because day before we were standing literally for over an hour in the crowd, just like a sardine. Right. And I know I did not like that. I knew, you know what, let's get to the back of the crowd. Let's be able to warm up. Let's be able to jog, move around. Um, and then we'll just feel like better when we start running. Um, so for me, like at the end of this race, when she like turned on the jets, it was like fun because it was like me doing strides how I had done in training. Um, and I was able to keep up with her. So that was fun um, as we went through the finish shoot. And we just got like super cold waiting in line for, I'm like embarrassed to say this, an hour and 15 minutes for a picture with Chip and Dale. We were like, all right, let's do one of the characters. The day before, we waited on the um, Pluto line because it was like Pluto's race. And then it started raining and they had all the characters go away. They're like, oh, they'll be right back out. We literally waited like another 40 minutes. They didn't bring them back out. So we unfortunately didn't get any character pictures after the 5K. So we really wanted to get like a character picture. And we didn't realize the line was going to take that long to go through. Um, but we got like one picture uh, and waited an hour and 15 minutes. So we like learned our lesson. And I was like, if the lines are anywhere near this length for the next two days, for the half and the full, we are not waiting. It does not mean that much to me to get a picture with a character. Um, so day two of four was complete uh, for me. And I still had 13.1 and 26.2 miles to go. So the rest of this day, the girls actually went to the spa. Um, they got their little teen massage. Um, and then they spent time in the Whirlpool jacuzzi, went in the pool at the Grand Floridian. Um, I did our laundry. And yes, uh, those of you sexist runners out there, Dwayne does laundry. Um, and then I went to the jacuzzi at my resort. I got a nice Mickey pretzel, which is like perfect carbs. Uh, before a marathon. So I made sure I got a Mickey pretzel like each day 
for three days in a row. It's got some salt on it, got some carbs. You know, they're just, when you get them nice and warm and soft, there's nothing better. You know, they don't have like butter and stuff like that in them. So they're nice, like clean carb, safe bread for me. Um, and then I elevated my feet poolside. Nice little trick uh, in case you guys don't know. You know how like you got the lounge chairs at the pool? They're like perfect, perfect to just sit on them reverse way. Put your head down where your feet normally are. Put your feet where the head is. Elevate the feet. Ah, it's like magic. Just get off your feet, elevate them above heart level. That's that's my tip, my quick tip. And whenever I'm at the pool, um, especially on vacation, when I'm getting like training in, I'm always doing that at the pool. So hopefully that tip will be able to help you next time you're poolside. So elevated my feet because I knew the hardest part of the dopey challenge was still in front of me. So then I met up with my ladies at the Grand Floridian Cafe for dinner at 5.30, which was a little later than we should have done it because it took a while to get um, boat transportation from the Fort Wilderness to the Magic Kingdom. And then you got to take another boat from Magic Kingdom to the Grand Floridian. So it's just a nice to know for those um, staying around um, either the monorail access points or boat transportation. Sometimes it takes a little while, um, especially like the monorail line. You know, it only goes in one direction. So you might need to wait if you're going to like different resorts that's three stops away. Um, so the big news that really happened this day that I noticed on my weather app was that a warm front was coming through, um, which would make the pre and post race feeling a lot better because it was super cold for us for both the 5k and the 10k day. You really couldn't enjoy it after and you really didn't feel comfortable before we brought some throwaway clothes, which was nice um, to keep us warm. Uh, but we were talking like a warm front coming through feels like of 67 degrees on race day. Humidity was 92%. And the most thing that I was um, kind of mindful of was the dew point. Because if you guys have been following along, you know, the dew point is the difference maker. And it was 66 degrees, which I knew meant extra electrolytes and water pre-half marathon, especially given I was going to be running the marathon the next day. So remember kind of in our running in the heat episode, episode 187 on the Healthy Runner podcast, we talked about the interpretation of dew point and a 66 degree dew point is considered moderately uncomfortable for running and expect hard efforts to feel more difficult. So I was a little concerned about this for my wife because it wasn't going to be a hard effort for me personally, but I was concerned for her and it would affect performance and it would expect, affect expectations. So I was trying to give her realistic expectations based on the weather conditions. Um, and at dinner is when the real drama started and the first major curveball of race week began. I got a text from two of my clients um, if I heard the news. So I like, you know, check my email, like nothing was there. I try to click the run Disney event guide, the digital guide that they have. The website was down. I guess like all the runners were trying to access it at the same time. The website crashed. I don't know what happened. Um so the big news that we got uh, the night before the half marathon while at dinner, um, which was already a little stressful for me, I'm not going to lie, because it was already a little later than I wanted. I wanted to get to bed by 7 or 8 p.m. And we found out that the half marathon course was going to be modified to 7.1 miles in order to get everyone off of the course by 8 a.m. due to an impending rain lightning storm. 
So this created a little bit more stress because this was like my wife's big raise that she's been training for, you know, during the last four months. And I was like ready to run. She was ready to run like her third half marathon. And then we find this out. So, you know, she's like overcome so much coming back from a partial proximal hamstring tear herself. Um, the result of a tax season and sitting on a hard dining room chair for long hours. And I was excited um, for her because like she was able to put in the work to rehab the hamstring. Um, quick tip, those elevated single leg bridges they talk about often, the Nordic curls are key, key for you runners who are struggling with hamstring um, pain. So what did we do? We had to think quickly because we were supposed to be going to sleep soon and find out like what was the best way for us to get in the full 13.1 without being like kicked out of the race area. Um, where are we going to have like room to run essentially? And so we can do this continuous. So there wasn't a break between the runs. So we both agreed that it was best for my wife to run the end of the race on the course with water support, with motivation, with being able to finish 13.1 miles through the real finish shoot. Um, so then she can like pick up her medal and she actually be done with the racing um, and celebrate the accomplishment. So this meant we had to now get to uh, the race an hour earlier than we had planned and I already mentioned we were already late kind of for dinner. Um, so we wound up uh, doing our six miles, doing some circles in the Epcot parking lot at 4 a.m. So we wound up, uh, you know, getting up in the like definitely at 2 a.m. and getting there by 3.30, a.m. And there's a section like behind the stands where the finish line was that was almost, I would probably say approximately quarter mile. It was like a track and there were a bunch of us just running circles around, um, constantly for an hour. Um, it was awesome. Like kind of seeing how many runners were doing what we were doing. And we saw a bunch doing it after the race, um, which was getting a bit dangerous because they were really trying to push people out and shut everything down. There's no character photos after the half. The buses were being sent out early. It was like getting dangerous because buses are moving. People are like trying to run. Um, I don't think, honestly, a lot of people finished their whole six miles if they got it after the race. So I was glad that we made the decision to just, you know, cut our losses, not get any sleep essentially that night um, and just get up early, get the six miles in. Um, and especially with the humidity that was happening on that day. So there was like two kind of variables for the half marathon day that, that didn't make it the best because it was the hottest day. It was humid, not ideal race conditions. And because of the shortened course, the actual race was super congested, like ridiculously congested because they modified the course and it didn't like open up to go to magic kingdom. So that was like unfortunate too, that my wife didn't get to run through magic kingdom. It was essentially almost like the same as the 10 K course. Um, we went the same exact route, but because they started the race 15 minutes earlier and wanted to get everyone done, they like pushed out the waves even faster. So it was just overloaded with people on the course. So you were really like, you know, not able to run the pace you wanted to run. And matter of fact, our first six miles were like the fastest miles we ran more because we were limited by the people in front of us. Um, so our warm-up miles, which were, you know, supposed to be just like easy running, and it was easy running for her, 
um, wound up being our fastest miles. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate that the course was like super, super congested. And it was, you know, very frustrating at times because, you know, you, it's just too many people and you just have people walking in front of you. You have, you know, it's just, you're not able to go at like your self-selected pace at all. Um, so we, we conquered, we persevered, right? Some stress, unexpected things happening. My wife finished a half marathon, finished an awesome time. Honestly, um, it was like just slightly, I guess, slower than what she did uh, her last half marathon. And given the humidity, given the course congestion, super impressive. Um, she pushed herself at the end, which was great to see. And um, we spent the rest of our day going to have lunch at the Yacht Club, um, which was my last big meal before the marathon. I saw so many people that afternoon getting their six miles in on the boardwalk loop, um, which was not the best idea because from my coaching experience and standpoint, because the sun came out at that point and it was hot. It was literally 80 degrees and people were running at 1 p.m., 2 p.m. to get in their extra six miles. So I guess they like went back, relaxed, rested, whatever, and then did their six miles. Um, I just hope like some of those runners were not doing dopey because I would imagine their marathon experience couldn't have been too good if they were running literally like 13 or 14 hours after that. Um, so I was just thinking like, I hope these people are not running dopey, um, because it would have been better for them to just like get those miles in early in the morning after the race. So then we walked over to Epcot cause we wanted to take pictures because like I said, there was no characters pictures after the half marathon at all. And we had our finisher medals, like our shirts. Um, so we got pics with, you know, Daisy in Epcot, which was great right in the middle, no lines or anything. And then Donald in Mexico. And then we got to meet up with Janice and Kate, um, who I mentioned earlier, uh, which was awesome because, uh, it was just great to meet them in person. Um, but it was like the only thing about this. And I wish, because when we left our room initially it was raining. So we, I was wearing pants. I had like, you know, my compression socks to help with some recovery. Um, but it got hot real quick when that sun came out and it was humid still. Um, it was 81 degrees. There's not a whole lot of shade in Epcot and I was getting hot and I was constantly drinking water. Um, I was wearing long sleeves. So I was trying to seek out as much shade as possible, find any possible shade, but like you need to be careful because when you go into the parks at Disney and if you're a dopey runner, like you can easily lose track of time real quick because there's so much there. And you want to like walk over to this area, walk over and you can spend like way too many hours on your feet in the heat, um, before your marathon. And I, I, I would say I spent more time on my feet than I would have liked to on that day. And I was feeling a lot hotter than I would have liked to as well. So I was trying to like, you know, conserve as much energy, walk as slow as possible, drink as much water as possible. I wanted to take a quick pause from this episode to talk about a topic that I am extremely passionate about, and that is strength training in order to run so we can improve our performance by running faster or running longer. And we can also prevent the all too common stubborn running related injuries when we do the strength training. So do you want to know how I get in my strength training, how I remain focused for my gym sessions, and how I'm able to recover after the hard marathon specific training that I've been working on? 
I've been using Amino Company's product, Perform, for over two years now as a truly healthy pre-workout as opposed to some of those crazy, highly caffeinated drinks that you're going to see out there that just give you jitters and then you wind up crashing. Perform is an essential amino acid-based formulation that I simply add to water, I throw it in my shaker bottle, and I have it 30 minutes before a run or a gym workout. It tastes great and is extremely easy on your stomach. Perform helps improve mental focus, peak strength, endurance, reduces fatigue, and increases muscle protein synthesis so you can recover faster from your runs or your strength sessions. And I'm not just saying that from like an N is one, my personal experience. I actually brought on one of the leaders in amino acid research, Dr. Robert Wolf on the show back in episode 92 of the podcast. If you want a deep dive on the effects, the literature, tune in, listen to my chat with Dr. Wolf. You'll be as impressed as I was. And I wanted to make sure that I was putting something that was actually healthy into my body. And so I checked out the real research and the science on this product. And since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, you can save 30% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to aminoco.com forward slash healthy runner. You have to use the special link I put in the show notes to get your 30% off and use the code healthy runner. Now go ahead and give perform a try. I know you're going to love it just as much as I have. Now let's get back into this episode. So when we got back to our resort, I got a nice little jacuzzi session, had a little kid's uh, turkey sandwich um, with chips as my pre-marathon meal, which was about two hours before bedtime, or so I thought. On the way back uh, to our cabin, our golf cart broke down. Uh, So this was like the second hiccup, um, which further delayed us from getting back and prepping for the next day, which created a little bit of pre-marathon stress, not going to lie, because I really wanted to go to bed at 7 p.m., to get a solid seven hours of sleep before the marathon because my sleep really wasn't great the days leading up to that. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get into bed until exactly at 8 p.m., which strategically is right when the fireworks at Magic Kingdom go off. Uh, So once they started going off, that is all my brain heard. I couldn't block out the sound no matter I had my like you know, my white noise machine. Um, I still heard those fireworks. So I was up to like 8.30. So unfortunately, I only got five and a half hours of sleep uh, the night before the marathon. And the days leading up to the marathon, I only had two nights of sleep of uh, seven hours. And all the others were six and a half hour range, which is not ideal by any means and was quite different from what I described to you in my Cape Cod Marathon recap in which I got a solid seven to eight hours of sleep for four straight days leading up to the race. So it's just good to know for your future run Disney peeps that if you stay at any of the Magic Kingdom resorts on the monorail line or the Fort Wilderness Lodge, you will hear the fireworks. So take that into account when making your plans and are you okay um, with hearing fireworks? Can you sleep through them or are you going to bed after eight o'clock anyway? So just a little FYI. So tis was the night before marathon day and only 26.2 miles left for me to conquer the dopey challenge. So just when you think you have it all figured out on day four, um, because I will say for those that 
are doing the dopey uh, challenge, the nice thing about it is it's almost like rinse and repeat. You're in the same exact schedule. You're waking up same time, same stuff happens. You get the same box of food after every race. You do the same bus ride back to your resort. You're going to probably eat the same after, and then you're going to do whatever, shower, change, go get a big meal. So it's, it's kind of like you get in somewhat of a routine, which is nice. But the weather forecast for marathon day um, was 59 degrees, 91% humidity, 56 degree dew point. So I was super happy that it went down from the previous day with the half marathon. I was definitely a little worried about that because I knew that that 65, 66 degree dew point would be too hot for the marathon. Um, so the interpretation for those that don't know dew point interpretations is this is comfortable where hard efforts are not affected. So I was like, yes, let's go. Right. And it was cloudy. So the sun wasn't even supposed to come out. I still took my sunglasses. I got dopey colored sunglasses. My, you know, um, why am I drawing a blank right now? Holy cow. How can I possibly, uh, draw a blank on my sunglasses? But I, I had my dopey colored sunglasses and um, they were purple and green. So I still had them on my head because I heard that when the sun comes up and the weather, honestly, like isn't always accurate in Florida, especially during this time of the year. It was so variable each and every day. And it was like super cold at times. Then if the sun was out and you were in the sun, it was super hot at times. Um, so I just it just came to me, my gooder sunglasses, right? So I got like a thousand pairs of them. So I had purple and green ones specifically for my dopey outfit. Um, but it was supposed to be cloudy. So I was like, okay, this is like pretty perfect, honestly, weather conditions for marathon. And I was grateful that the dew point and humidity went down. Like I said, there was no rain in the forecast whatsoever. So I didn't even take my hat with me because I was going to take my hat with me for the half marathon day because it was supposed to start raining earlier. Then that changed. Like I said, the weather changes. So I didn't even take my hat with me on the half marathon day. I didn't even mention to you that our outfits for the half marathon, we were, my wife was Moana, Moana, and um, I was Maui. So that was fun uh, that we were those characters. Um, So that was fun running through. Uh, the parks as Maui and Moana and saying some of the lines from the movie. So we had fun with that. Um, So now the third hiccup comes, this is the race day bus debacle that Dwayne went through. I, I wasn't planning to get there too early because I knew where to go. I knew exactly how this whole system works. Um, I knew exactly where my crowd was. So I planned to get there at 4 a.m. because I knew everything that needed to happen. I was going to meet up with one of our athletes, Becca, at 4.30, which was 15 minutes before our Corral B closed at 4.45. The race started at 5 a.m. So I had that. That was the plan. I didn't actually get to off the bus until 4.50. And I was supposed to be there at 4 because the bus journey took over an hour. Yes, the bus journey was very different on Marathon Day. It was somewhat of luck um, that literally the bus that the internal bus from Fort Wilderness drops you off. You go across the street as you walk over to the chartered buses. One was pulling away literally as I was walking. Like I, I, it was less than I don't know two hundred feet away, and it just pulled away. 
So now I'm the first person on the next bus, but that next bus has to wait 15 minutes. So I'm just sitting on that bus waiting 15 minutes. And then it had to go to the Wilderness Lodge and then it had to wait another 15 minutes there. And then it got to Epcot and there was, because of the road closures, because of all the buses, there was literally a line. So we waited 15 minutes just for that bus to be able to pull in where it lets people off. So it took over an hour, which was definitely a little stressful. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was, I was stressing a little bit. Um, so I totally missed my crowd B. I knew I would. I told Becca, don't wait for me. Not going to make there in time. Um, corral C actually closed as well, but like I asked the lady, I, I, I basically jogged a mile from when I got off the bus, I just did like the Kenyan shuffle, try to keep it as easy as possible. Cause you really don't need to warm up for a marathon, especially I wasn't like racing this marathon. So I, you know, did a mile jog to get to my corral. C was already pulled up. They were turning the corner and D was about to follow them. And the lady let me in luckily, which was great. So I was right in the back of the C group. And, um, however, the good thing about this is I was actually able to see two of our spark healthy runner, uh, athletes, Sonia and Stephanie as my crowd passed. So they gave me a bit of energy and excitement before my race. Um, I was just like relieved to be able to see them, wish them best wishes before their race. And like, I was there and I was like, okay, you made it like you're here now you're ready to run a marathon and everyone's already moving. So I don't even need to stand and wait and like all that stuff. So the race starts, um, I cross the starting line at 529 AM in the back of corral group C. So just so you guys know, for future reference, it takes about a half hour if you're in corral C, uh, to get to the actual start line when the race starts at 5 AM. And here's the affirmation I had wrote in my journal that morning at 2.30 a.m. It was, I feed my spirit, I train my body, I focus my mind, it's my time. And after three days of running a race at my easy pace zone, I was ready to put some of my fitness to the test while having fun. And I didn't have a time goal in mind at all because I knew it wasn't realistic to set goals for a marathon without a traditional taper and running 13.1 miles the day before. So my goals were to run every magical step with gratitude at the Disney marathon. Two, trust my training. All those back-to-back long runs I did in 20, 30 degree weather back in Connecticut in December during the holiday season, all that chaos the recovery steps I took and the sleep I prioritized during the shortened training cycle. Three, trust my experience in running marathons now that I have truly raced one at Cape Cod this past October and have run three. I have some experience under my belt. So I just needed to trust that. And then four was really belief throughout the race that I am strong physically and mentally. And I've put in the consistent work and now it was my time to have some fun, like doing what I love and doing what I get the opportunity to do and run at marathon effort, not pace, effort in the most magical place on earth, right? So those were the only goals that I had set. 
the race starts and I was well experienced with the start of these races now, given that it was the fourth day and how to navigate them. So I totally avoided ducking in and out, wasting energy with the crowds. You know, we kind of did that for the 5k, um, Olivia and I for the 10k did a lot of running on the grass. Um, but really here, what my strategy was, was to stick to one side. I stayed all the way to the left. And I was that person who was on the cement, the last possible point on the cement. And um, I would run on the grass a bit to pass people, trying not to use too much energy. Like the goal here was to start the release, the race, be able to relax, get in control of my breathing and go out conservative, like making it all feel easy. That's normally the race strategy for any marathon. Um, but this one, especially because, you know, you can get caught up in the hype. And for me, this was like the fourth day. I know it was the exact same pathway I've taken literally for the last three days in a row because the half uh, course was modified. So it all was like deja vu all over again. Um, I knew exactly where we were running. I knew exactly where the character stops or where it gets like, you know, these like sticking points uh, in the course or at all the mile marker signs for those uh, who are running a future Disney race. There are probably five to 10 people who like to stop at those mile marker signs, take selfies, but they like do it at the last minute. You know, they'll just like dart over, stop, take selfies. So there's like this congestion. So whenever I saw a mile marker sign, I like moved away from the mile marker sign. So I didn't like get in that congestion. Um, so originally what I typed um, to my coach two weeks before the race in our online training calendar was that I was just planning to cover the distance without a real race strategy besides starting conservatively around a 8.45 to nine minute pace for the first half and for like context purposes for a Cape Cod marathon, my marathon goal pace was an eight minute pace, right? So I was planning to start conservative, 8.45 to nine minute pace for the first half, see how I was feeling. And if I wanted to turn it on for the second half or just enjoy a jog and stroll through the parks and hopping on random rides, who knows? Like I, I didn't know how I would feel, um, but I did know that I wanted to enjoy the experience and the challenge of finishing 48.6 miles in four straight days. And my coach staff agreed and we didn't have a traditional pace plan, nor did I have a marathon pace goal um, in mind, like I did for Cape Cod. So my splits for the first six miles of the race during this phase were 951, 843, 1033, 859, 826, 815. And due to the crowds and like getting squeezed down at certain portions, especially in the first five miles, um, which I knew because like I said, I've done it three days in a row. Uh, you really can't plan a traditional pacing plan per mile like you would for like any other marathon, I would say, um, because there are like so many variables outside of your control. So that is why you see the variability in my pacing. It's not like I was switching paces because of feel or effort. It was like when I was forced to have to go slower, I was forced to have to go slower. Um, so my goal was really to not get stuck behind like a pack of walkers for a long period of time and to not sprain uh, my ankle running on the grass, trying to pass people, especially because it's dark during this time. So it's dark. 
you're running on grass on like the side of a highway um, and you're trying not to sprain your ankle. So I felt really good for the first part of this marathon, those first six miles. It was fun um, after really the first three miles because that was like when I was running a lot on the grass to be able to pass people. Um, because remember, I did start in a crowd behind where probably I should have started with my pacing as well. So I was really feeling good at this point, six miles in, I was enjoying the experience and I really, you know, just went for it, honestly, and tried to stay around an 815 pace starting at mile six, because I remember from like the Disney half marathon, which was the only other Disney race that my wife and I did back in 2020, right before the pandemic, um, how much you got squeezed leading into Magic Kingdom. Like, I, I just remember there were all these like sticking points where it went down to like single file almost. Um, so I knew those miles would be like a lot slower. And so at this point, my rhythm mantra at this phase came from my daughter, Gabby, because she mentioned the day before the marathon that she was getting a little nervous about being away on vacation for so long, missing school, missing volleyball practice, and that when she got home, she would have to lock in. So that became like the family joke the night before, and it just stuck in my head. So I told myself my mantra was like, lock in on marathon pace, Dwayne, and just see how you feel. And so for me, this was like a little bit of a gamble because remember my plan was to do like nine minute pace for the first half. But if I was able to run like a 10 to 11 minute pace due to the crowds for two miles in Magic Kingdom, then I knew I would feel better about it and not like get frustrated if I had gone a little faster like when I was allowed to go faster, when I was on the open road and it like finally opened up on the highway. Um, so there was like a big section in this part before Magic Kingdom where the highway really opened up, where you had a lot of space to run. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so for mile seven, 801, mile eight, 808, mile nine, 815. And this is pretty much like eight and a half mile mark is when you're in like Main Street Magic Kingdom. Um, so really leading into Magic Kingdom, to my surprise, unlike 2020, there really wasn't much congestion beyond maybe a quarter mile of Magic Kingdom. Um, basically, you know, going through kind of underneath the train trestle and then making that little left and a quick right on Main Street. Um, but Main Street, honestly, was still going pretty good, but that's when all the spectators are there. So it did slow down a bit. People were like seeing their, you know, people were cheering them on. Uh, it was definitely magical, honestly, running on Main Street. People talk about that. You see the castle, you know, you got everyone cheering you on. Um, it was highlight for me it was like seeing my wife at the end of main street right in front of casey's corner uh so that pumped me up and then you know a lot of people are doing their like jump photos right in front of the castle and there was like no one there so i just like took that right i like flew through tomorrowland fantasyland frontierland um and just like excited to like be running in magic kingdom and it was pretty empty honestly around me um, and I don't know if it's because of all the people I passed, like those first six miles, um, or, you know, they, the way the pacing worked out. Um, but it was pretty empty in magic kingdom. Like it wasn't narrow by any means, um, running through the castle. So you run through like the back part of the castle toward the front, which was kind of cool, um, running like underneath that. And you're just 
like I was just saying to myself, like, this is freaking awesome. Like you're just like running through the castle. I'm just like cruising at this point. Um, I just wish, honestly, they had more photo pass people in Magic Kingdom. There's so many opportunities, so many spots um, where like the new Tron ride is. There was like an overhead. I was like, they should have a person up here. They can get like a nice aerial shot. Um, but I'm thinking what I'm imagining is they do that on purpose. So like people don't slow down too much in Magic Kingdom because like in Epcot for like the 5K and 10K day, you know, you see the photo pass. Everyone slows down. They stop. They pose. They So it like causes a lot of congestion. So I'm thinking Disney probably uh, is thinking that they put not too many photo pass people. So people don't slow down so much, uh, you know, running throughout the park. But I, my wife and I planned that maybe she could see me in Frontierland um, as well. But for those future um, Disney marathoners in Main Street, that's it. That's the only spectating place. They don't allow you to actually go toward Frontierland, even though the runners run through Tomorrowland, um, Adv- not Adventureland, uh, Fantasyland, and then Frontierland, they don't let any of the spectators go there. So you're essentially like running by yourself through Magic Kingdom. Um, and there really weren't a lot of workers even cheering you on. It was kind of weird, honestly. Um, because after you like see everyone on Main Street, then it's like pretty much quiet. There was maybe two photo pass people, um, but it's essentially quiet and empty um, going through Magic Kingdom. So that was definitely different than what I remember for like the half in 2020. And I don't know if it would have been different if the half actually went through Magic Kingdom, but because of the course modifications, we didn't get to do that. Um, so I don't know if it's like a half marathon thing or a marathon thing or, you know, just changes to both of them. So now we're in like the middle part of the race. So my splits for mile 10, 758, because I was a little pumped up after Magic Kingdom. Um, 821, 8 flat, 814, 756 at mile 14. And this is when it started to rain. It was like a little sprinkle. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. A little sprinkle. And then I was like, I didn't, there was no rain in the forecast. And then mile 15, it starts pouring. We're talking like Florida, you know, if you've ever been there in the summertime, um, like Florida downpours it's pouring. You could tell people are like not doing well with the rain. Um, I could tell a lot of people, that's why we always say in our uh, spark healthy runner coaching team, we always talk about like, you know, what if it rains on race day? Like you have to train in the rain. Um, so you can't always avoid the rain in training. So I never avoid the rain in training. I always run in rain. So for me, it was like no big deal whatsoever, but I knew a lot of people around me were getting quite uncomfortable. Um, they weren't happy. They were grabbing garbage bags. Um, but I, I felt comfortable and was ready for this race. I was super happy that I really lubed up really well with my squirrels, nut butter, anti-chafe. Um, I was super happy that I had my nipple band-aids on. Um, for those guys who don't know, my wife saw a couple of guys with the singlets with bloody nipples. Yeah. You make that mistake once, you never make it again. Um, every race that I do, um, there's a really good band-aid brand. It's like Tegaderm. We, it's solid, man. This race, as I'm going to describe to you, I was drenched from pouring rain, um, did not chafe one bit. Squirrels and up butter guys, so much better on body glide and lathered up my feet. That's the other thing, guys, blisters. A lot of people after this race had blisters, did not have one blister, not one black toenail because my race shoe actually fit the proper way, half sized up. I did have an issue at the Cape Cod Marathon getting a black toenail. Um, 
because it was hitting the end a little bit on the downhill. These no uh, black toenails. So I was, I knew I was set for the rain. Like I wasn't going to have any issues, um, but it was pouring buckets like mile 15 leading into animal kingdom. So that was mile 16 animal kingdom. For those that have been there, if you notice, like you run through like the Asia part of animal kingdom, the ground is not level at all. It's like uneven. So there was just so many puddles in animal kingdom. So you're, it's unavoidable. So now you're sloshing, you're stepping in puddles, your socks are drenched. Like there's no avoiding it. You can't avoid the puddles. Um, so that was my kind of experience going through animal kingdom. I wasn't sure if I was going to ride Everest. Um, I was just going to see how I felt if I wanted to, like there would have to be no line for me uh, to go on it. Since I ran, you know, went on it the week prior with my family, it was pouring. Like how exciting is it going to be? Like just rains, you know, splashing you in the face on the roller coaster. So I decided to not do it. Um, but it was pouring down and I was just like, you know, saying, you know, I just had Dory in, in my mind, you know, Disney and, you know, just keep swimming, just keep running. I was just keep running. And I was thinking about coach cat because she always talks about on all of her episodes on the podcast, how much she loves running in the rain. And I knew she would have loved it. Uh, and I, I was just like embracing it. Right. So I guess that's like a little tip for anyone, you know, you're going to get stuff that you don't expect on race day. There was no rain in the forecast on this day, none whatsoever. I was ready mentally because I run in rain before I knew like I've raced in rain before. Um, you're going to get things that are unexpected. You just got to roll with it, honestly. So for me, it was like, just keep running. And I was like embracing it. I was like screaming out at times. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, this is the best weather to run in, you know, just try to like, you know, whatever, put a positive spin on it versus like, oh, this sucks. We're running in the rain. Like I've seen a bunch of post uh marathon post by people and you know it's like the negative aspect of like it was raining um so you know you just gotta you just gotta let those things roll off your back roll off your back like a duck like donald right i don't know how the saying goes uh but it was it was pouring basically for a good three to four miles of this race kind of right leading up to animal kingdom for me through animal kingdom and then coming out of animal kingdom uh, shout out to the workers, um, Animal Kingdom, when you're leaving, they had some funny signs, which I loved, which like, you know, brought a smile to my face. Smiling helps, by the way, while you're running um, and racing, it makes things feel easier. So I was doing that as much as possible um, throughout this race. And pretty much like mile um, 16 in Animal Kingdom was 813, 826, mile 17, when it was still pouring, 840 at mile 18. 849, which was like that Blizzard Beach, I believe, area parking lot. A lot of people complained about that. They hate the Blizzard Beach parking lot. It's basically a loop around the parking lot. I don't know. For me, it really didn't phase me. Um, it's a parking lot. You make a, a loop around it. Um, I don't know. It's really no different than running on the roads. And I guess I was used to making loops like that, as I did for six miles in the modified half course that I ran the day before. Um, but that was actually a good area where this is where I started going fishing. So this is a tactic, a race day strategy, um, if you've heard in the past, where, and there were a lot of people with bright singlets, which was perfect, honestly. Uh, so I would find a green, so a lot of dopey ones, uh, green or like a pink bright singlet in, in 
in my pathway, you know, about 200 meters ahead of me. And then I'm reeling them in, right? I'm closing down the space between me and that runner. I'm focusing just on that runner, kind of closing the gap. That's the strategy I was utilizing at this point of the race. And around here, I think it was just after Blizzard Beach area, the hardest part of the course was it was like an on-ramp getting on some highway. It was super banked. Like you felt like you were like on a banked indoor track. Like you felt like you were running on like, you know, sideways and it was going up on an incline. So luckily this dude, like just kind of, I don't know, we just randomly, it was the only time the whole race where I actually ran with someone. Um, because I don't know if it's cause how I started out in the corral or whatever, literally the whole race I was passing people, um, which again, feels kind of positive and you know just and everything felt easy for me so it was like i guess motivating um and i was super nice like as i passed people gave them like positive um you know affirmations as i was you know passing saying they look strong but there was this guy that was like running kind of with me and i tell he was like trying to keep up with me and we were just like running together and i'm like okay cool nice we're like running together okay this guy's going my pace i like this and uh he was like, you know, struggling a little bit. And he was like, oh yeah. He's like, I was just trying to catch up to my buddy. Um, he's like, thank you for helping me like catch up to him. And I was like, yeah, no problem, man. Enjoy your race. Um, and then, you know, he went behind me and then we caught up again because he was trying to speed up because he's like, oh, I want to do a uh, tower of terror. So I, now I need to get ahead of my buddy uh, in order for me to be able to do tower of terror and then meet up with him. So now he's like staying with me. So we're like, you know, pacing each other, which was kind of cool. And it was during that part of like that hard part of the course. So that was kind of cool that I like had someone to run with during that time to just focus on just like, you know, running and just at this point, like it was weird. Um, I've never been at this point of a marathon where it literally felt easy. Um, like I wasn't breathing heavy, like, I was starting to, you know, the effort, I guess, felt like, I don't know if I had to, definitely not how the end of a half feel, like, I guess it felt not even, um, it's just hard for me to honestly describe how this race felt because I really didn't feel that it actually got hard until literally like the last three miles. Um, my body just felt really good and strong for some reason. Um, and I'm, I, it's only three days out, so I'm still reflecting and I, I have some lessons learned that I'm going to share with you. But, um, you know, once I got to this point in like mile 20, mile 20 was a seven fifty four, So I was going sub eight. Um, like this is the part of a race where you like earn the right to race. And I was like, I was feeling so good. And before I share with you like the final section of my Disney marathon and the final six miles of the 48.6 dopey challenge, um, if this has been helpful for you in getting like my race recap and sharing my experience with you, please hit that like button, 
Um, subscribe on our YouTube channel and turn on notifications so you stay updated with all future videos that can help your running journey. And this really just allows me to continue creating content like this um, that will allow other runners like yourself to continue doing what they love and enjoy lifelong injury-free running despite getting a little dopey in Disney. And it would just mean the world to me, honestly, if you can do that, hit the like button, um, please, and thank you. So now I really enjoyed the first 20 miles of this race. Like I felt strong. I was having fun. I even stopped for four different character stops during the middle miles of the race. I didn't stop for any character stops, the 5K, 10K, half, because the lines were ridiculous. Like I, I was like, I'm not going to stop and stand in line for 45 minutes. Like it's crazy. I find no offense. If you stopped for character stops, like, you know, everyone likes to get the different race experience. I totally get that. It's like the Disney experience. You want to take it all in. It's just not for me. Right. So because these were the longest I stopped was 30 to 60 seconds, I would say definitely no more than a minute. There was like three or four people in front of me and they were like, quick, quick, quick. They were going boom, boom, boom with the pictures. Um, so I got like Flynn Rider. I got Goofy. I got um, Chippendale. And then I got Anna and Elsa because uh, there really weren't any lines. So I'm like, sure, why not? Like, when do I ever get to stop during a marathon and take pictures with characters? So I did stop. Um, but now like the fun starts and the real race begins because given how good I felt up until this point without a full marathon training cycle, um, during training and running the three days prior, as I mentioned, I did expect some sort of shoe to drop, honestly, and hit me like kind of a wall. Um, but that didn't happen surprisingly. And I thought it would, especially because like the longest long run I did was 18 miles. I didn't even do a 20 miler, which I've done 20 milers, you know, for my last two marathon training cycles. So like I surprisingly felt good. I was not hitting a wall at all. And the only thing, the only little minor thing I felt was like some tightness in my right hamstring. Um, and I thought it was about to cramp up which was similar to, as I reflected at Cape Cod, same thing kind of happened. Um, so what did I do? I walked, took out my base electrolyte salt, had a couple more um, electrolytes. I took another gel. So that was my sixth one. And I even had a full cup of Powerade at this point. And this was so late in the race. So this was like the pathway heading from Hollywood Studios to the boardwalk. Um, so it was so late in the race. I was like, all right, my stomach feels great. Um, I doubt this Powerade is going to like mess it up. So I don't, you know, train with like a sugar electrolyte normally. So I don't take any Powerade or Gatorade on courses during races, but because it was so late in the race, I wasn't worried about it bothering my stomach at all. Um, and it, that little tightness in the hamstring never came back the rest of the way. And Hollywood studios was actually really fun, even though you only run through it for like a hot second. You basically come through the back of um, the Hollywood Tower of Terror, and then you exit like quickly, essentially, uh, through like the pathway of Fantasmic. And then you kind of end where like people are entering the park. Um, but the cast members in Hollywood Studios were definitely a lot more fun. They were like cheering you on more. In Animal Kingdom, at least when I was there, maybe because it was pouring buckets, like 
there were hardly any cast members out. If they were out, they weren't even like hardly cheering for you. So it was kind of weird. I was there before anyone was in the park. So Animal Kingdom was like kind of just dark, dreary, cold, rainy feeling. Um, and Hollywood Studios cast members were like cheering you on. They were like super fun. And then there was like a large crowd of people waiting to get into the park because that was right about when the park opened. Um, so I had some fun with them because I like screamed something and then they all like, you know, roared back at me. Um, so that like kind of pumped me up and I was just like, boom, I like went on another like level. Uh, I just had like a little pump. And then you do the walkway from Hollywood Studios to the boardwalk, which I've done before. Every time we go to Disney, whenever we stay at one of those kind of beach club, that area, that's what I do for my runs. Like I'll run down that pathway, go into the Hollywood Studios parking lot. Usually the security chases me out. I come back. Like I've done speed work over there before. So like I was very familiar with that pathway. That was great. I was just flying on that, um, you know, pathway there weren't too many people around me but everyone i was like passing and then turned right made a right onto the boardwalk which is literally wood and was definitely quite slippery because of all the rain um i was super happy that i had the race day shoe i had i um had my adidas adios pro threes and these have a bit more traction under them i think they're made with like recycled tires underneath um than my Saucony Pro 3 racing shoe. So that was Saucony I wore for the Cape Cod Marathon. Uh, the Adidas Adios Pro 3 was a Black Friday special, 25% off. I had to, had to get it uh, because it was purple. So it matched my dopey outfit. Uh, so I was super happy I had those because I did hear, I, th I think it was Boston last year, a lot of the elites that, um, you know, the ones that finished with the top times had those shoes. And I don't know if it was that race or that it was a little slippery, a little wet. One of the rainy uh major races um people were talking about the audios pro threes so they do have a lot more traction but i still felt it as i ran on that wood i was like oh okay i gotta watch my step here like and then i did see my wife um on the boardwalk which really gave me that extra spark i needed honestly uh seeing her then and she took a little video of me and said i look strong i didn't feel as strong i guess I kind of look strong for being at literally mile 24 of a marathon. Um, and that gave me like really that extra spark. I knew all I had left was literally a little hill to get into Epcot. Um, and then it was like a victory lap around the world in Epcot. And I even took my extra gel, which was the seventh gel that I took. And just in case, you know, you always got to bring an extra in case you lose one or someone needs one. Um, so I took that extra gel because I took the other one a little earlier because of that little hamstring uh, felt that, you know, I felt it was cramping. And during that last mile and a half, I knew like, all right, Dwayne, you've earned the right to race. Like now you're going to enter the pain cave. Um, so I needed all the fuel and energy for that last push. And that was really the only time I started breathing heavy. So I actually breathe heavy less during this race than I have for like any marathon, half marathon race that I run. Cause usually the last three miles of a half marathon suck for me where I'm just like breathing heavy. You know, you like hear me coming. I'm just like giving it my all. Um, but I was like super amazed at how this felt. So my splits for mile 21 was 817, mile 22, 748, 819 in Hollywood studios, 823 on the boardwalk, 
824 in Epcot, and it's got some of these hills like going up into Epcot, then around the world. Like in France, there's a little hill there um, that you got to get up. And mile 26, 746. So this is when I was entering the pain cave. And you'll be able to see those photos because those last photos of me and the last essentially uh, mile 26.73, because that's how much I ran for this race, um, was a 716 pace. So I really was able to like turn it on at the end. I did enter the pain cave. It was the only time the whole race that I entered it. Um, so Epcot, you know, I wasn't feeling great, uh, but I was pushing. I was, all the fight mantras were coming out at this point. Um, and I was just honestly amazed at how freaking awesome I felt. And I crossed the finish line at 344.30, which is an 834 pace. Um, the fact that only the last two miles felt hard and I was breathing heavy was like so gratifying. Um, I needed to capture that moment, like how I felt like the euphoria. I couldn't, I couldn't describe it, honestly. So I just took a quick video of it. I wound up posting on, on um, Instagram because I wanted to like capture that moment. Cause it felt so different than any other marathon that I had ever done before. And it wasn't the fact that like, okay, you completed dopey 48.6. Like this was a huge goal of mine. Like, it's not like I've been dreaming of dopey where, you know, that was like, you know, my end all be all. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, I, again, my goals were to cover the distance just to do it, have fun. Um, but like I was more like just shocked and amazed at how awesome it felt to like run a marathon without even feeling like it was that hard um, until like those last two miles. And, you know, like training consistently works, guys. And even if you don't have a full marathon training cycle leading up to your race, like I didn't, um, this was actually only four minutes off my PR in Cape Cod. Um, so, I was super proud of myself, honestly, for utilizing my mental strategies of like going fishing. And, and first off, I was, I was happy as I'm reflecting that I decided at mile six that, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's just try to lock in into marathon effort, not even pace, effort. Just like try to lock in and see how it feels to get the legs going at marathon effort and see how you feel. Because like I, I definitely took a risk there and I knew that this can certainly suck at the end, but I didn't care, right? Like I didn't have a time goal. I was just there to have fun anyway. But I was happy I made that decision. And I was happy that it's not like I was pushing myself to where I wasn't able to enjoy it. Um, so the fact that like I was able to utilize the mental strategies of going fishing, using my fight mantras after mile 20 and being able to finish the dopey challenge strong with three miles at a sub eight minute pace during the hardest part of a marathon. I was definitely proud of that. And the fact I even stopped for four character photos, right? And I felt strong the whole way and really surprised at how great I felt. Um, I really was able to like meet all of my goals. Like first off, I had fun with my family and experienced Gabby's first road race, Olivia's first 10K, my wife's third half marathon, comeback victory. Two, I was able to run each mile, like magical mile with gratitude, which was my goal. I was able to have fun running Disney and conquering 48.6 miles in four days. 
And I was able to enjoy like the Disney experience. So I talked to many runners on the course. I complimented many costumes. Um, I thanked every person I took water from. I smiled at every worker that I waved to and passed by. Um, I even got in the four character photo stops and, you know, Sario is not going to go on Everest in the pouring rain. Um, you know, I already went on that the week before, so I didn't need to do that, but I highly recommend honestly, um, a Disney race, especially a marathon as someone's first marathon, because it is so warm and welcoming The like the culture of it. Um, I think it puts a lot less pressure on you than your typical road race. Um, I think the amount of people around, the excitement, the costumes to look at, um, the workers, the characters, even if you're not stopping, like just seeing different characters on the course, like it keeps you like super entertained where the miles honestly just fly by. Um, so I highly recommend the Disney marathon as someone's like first marathon or for the runner who, you know, is struggling. They're like at a sticking point in their marathon journey. They're like hitting this plateau and, you know, they're trying to get faster. They're trying to get PRs and they're just like at this plateau. Maybe they're putting too much pressure on themselves. So I could see this marathon specifically being like a great one to go. Like I did no expectations. Didn't even have a time goal. Didn't even have a basing strategy. Right. Like go and have fun and you might surprise yourself like I did. And all of your fitness, all the training that you've been doing might just like flourish. And if you're like at that plateau and you're losing joy in running, I think you're going to find that joy in Disney. Honestly, I really do. Um, so I, I would highly recommend it to any runners doing that. Um, one thing I will say is I do not recommend because I did see this a lot on many of the uh, dopey runners that they were doing it as their first marathon. I personally, as a running physical therapist and coach, do not believe in that. Um, I think that you should conquer one step at a time, just like the marathon deserves some serious respect. I don't think you should train for your first marathon in your first year of running, in your running journey. If you want to do it the right way, stay healthy, build up strength, build up the tolerance in your body and your tissues to tolerate the demands of 26.2 miles. I don't think you should do the dopey challenge as your first marathon. Do it as your second, third, fourth, fifth, not your first. So, and my wife and I had this conversation um, as we were walking out of Animal Kingdom after we ate at Yak and Yeti on uh, Monday, spending our last day uh, there in the parks because, you know, she said, okay, she'll eventually, you know, she wants to do like all the Disney races for her 50th, um, which is in five years. And I said, okay, so that means you're going to do the dopey. And then I was like, well, that means you're going to run the marathon a couple of years before that. And she didn't realize that yet. And I said, explain to her why. And um, so plan on running the Disney marathon first, conquer that, enjoy it, and then run the dopey challenge. However, I would recommend if you are running the Disney marathon, I would say run at least one of the other races. So register for both. Like we as a family registered for um, like Olivia did the 5k and the 10k. My wife did the 5k and the half marathon. Um, so you can register for multiple races. So I would highly recommend, especially if it's someone's first marathon to register for the 5k and then the marathon as like separate. Don't do a challenge because it was so good to be able to like get a practice run through of like, where do I pick up the buses? How long do the buses take? Um, 
besides the fact that the marathon day, it takes a lot longer. Um, where do you go? The crowd? Cause it's the same every day. You get the same food, you get the same medals, you get the same photo stops. you like having experienced it once, I think would help anyone's first time marathon, just like decrease your anxiety levels on race day for the big day for the marathon. So I would highly recommend that if someone's first marathon, sign up for the 5k and the marathon. So that's like your little practice run through. That would be your shakeout run essentially before your marathon. Then you'd have two rest recovery days before your big race to relax, go in the jacuzzi, maybe do some light walking around in the parks, not all day in the parks, um, and get ready for your like big race day. That would be my recommendations. And here are my lessons learned from my 2024 Dopey Challenge Run Disney experience. First, fitness does not disappear with rest and recovery. All it needs is a light kickstart. And my coach, Steph, uh, reminded me of this with strides and a touch of threshold effort. And we can maintain so much with an aerobic rebuild. And remember, guys, aerobic capacity is easy running. So you have to run your easy runs easy. If you look at my Strava, all my easy runs, 10 minute pace and above. Sometimes they're in the 11 zone. And that's totally okay. But you got to run those easy runs easy. And as my coach Steph said that I am proof of this and remained 100% healthy during training, during the four days of doing dopey. And I felt phenomenal the three days after my marathon. It's been three days. And my recovery, my muscles weren't even really sore. Like stairs were a little shaky going downstairs for maybe eight hours. Um, But like today I feel like myself again, um, three days out. And, um, at the time of this recording, second lesson learned back-to-back long runs should be practiced in training. If you're doing the dopey challenge, and I would argue is more important than adding in speed work or doing a 20 miler in training to your weekly plan. I did a 14 and a nine miler back-to-back days. Next week, I did a 16 and a 12 miler, which was like huge. That was like two double digit long runs, back to back days for the first time ever in my life. And then my peak week in which I peaked at 50 miles that week, I did an 18 miler and then a 13 miler back to back days. Um, So those back to back long runs, if you're doing dopey, they have to be practiced in training. Third, Last point, get to the Disney Marathon earlier um, than I did for the first three days. A lot more people. There's a lot more road closures for the buses. Um, You need to plan your morning a little bit earlier. And I'm just like super grateful for this opportunity um, and feeling healthy before during and after the Dopey Challenge. Thank you to my coach, Steph, um, for all you have done to help me prepare for this challenge. And I'm just loving the marathon journey that we're on. And in the words of the great Walt Disney, if you can dream it, you can do it. For me, I'm grateful to have this magical 48.6 mile Disney Dopey Challenge experience. Stay tuned for continued marathon growth in 2024, in which I strive for another strong marathon at the Wine Glass Marathon on October 6th. I'm already registered for it. I got in early this year. I didn't make the mistake I made last year and waited too long where it filled up. So I'm in it. Hopefully, I'll see some of you there at the Wine Glass Marathon on October 6, 2024. And if you're looking to unlock your greatest potential as an adult athlete to run strong, 
marathon or run Disney challenge like I did, then you can learn more about our one-on-one personalized coaching program in which we provide you the structured strength and run plan, support and guidance to allow you to get stronger, run faster and enjoy lifelong injury-free running to make your running dreams a reality. You can learn more by going to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching. Also, be sure to check out next week's episode in which I will share my top tips for you to crush your next run Disney race. Until then, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running. Just like Dory says. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner Podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner.com. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash spark healthy runner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.